Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call Podcast. My name is Michael Back, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and we are bringing it to you again this week with a very special episode. I, I should start with uh, my very special co-host, one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. How are you doing tonight, Jeffrey? Good as always, Michael. Well, that's good to hear, I think. Maybe we'll have to dive into that a little bit later. But uh, we have a, a very special guest. As always, we like to uh, bring some people on with us. And uh, a former Behind the Steel uh, Curtain uh, contributor now with DK Pittsburgh Sports, Christopher Carter. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, fellas. Glad to be back with BTSC doing something. Uh, that's where I got my writing started. So always happy to, to rejoin the old community and talk some football. Oh, great stuff. We're super excited to have you on. Uh, I guess there's some pretty big news today that we should probably get into first. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Chris, I'll throw this down to you uh, right away. Just your initial thoughts on the retirement of Vince Williams. And I'm sorry for everyone who doesn't know that information yet, but Vince Williams hanging him up after eight seasons in the black and gold. Chris, what, what's your uh, initial reaction? My initial reaction is uh, it's unfortunate, I think, for Steelers fans who were looking to get one more year of, uh, of Vince Williams, knowing that he's always been uh, uh, you know, a tough guy, a leader, a guy who forged his own way into the NFL. Nothing was ever handed to him. He was a six-round pick. Um, as Jeffrey posted on Twitter shortly before we went live here, you know, one of my you know one of my articles I wrote way back in law school when I was just blogging on the side. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was about Vince Williams earning the respect of his teammates as a six-round draft pick rookie when the Steelers faced several injuries at inside linebacker, and he was their last guy on the depth chart, and he held down the fort. And, uh, and, and you know, over the years, Vince Williams, they drafted several guys to sort of take over that position, whether it was Ryan Chazier or Devin Bush, but he's held on that entire time and, uh, and, and was able to make things happen. Now, of course, he got released you know, earlier in the offseason, then he was signed back with the Steelers after it looked like he didn't get to sign anyone. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that I, my initial thought was, oh, maybe, you know what, he showed up and the physicals weren't right or he wasn't feeling right. And he was like, you know what, I've done this game long enough. I'm, go I'm good to go. But when you guys, when you all saw that tweet from Terrence Harvin or Terrence Garvin earlier, early, early in the week, you know, their former teammates and linebackers of the Steelers. Um, you know, that leads me to believe he knew that this was coming. It's kind of odd that that, you know, this was something that was going to be led into in a surprise. But Vince has always been his own man. He does things his own way. Um, you know, I think it's unfortunate for Steelers fans that wanted to see one more go round with him. But, you know, one thing to remember is that he played a physical brand of football his entire career. And that takes a toll on a body. And I think after a while, it's like, you know what? Sometimes it's just not worth it when you're uh, when you keep going through it. Jeffrey, <laughs> you want you want my thoughts on Vince Williams? Yeah, you can throw them out. <laughs> okay. Um, my th my thought is he joins. He he is that guy, that leadership, that attitude, that tone setter kind of a player. Uh, there was a great article I read in the offseason where they were they were talking about him being kind of the the last in the line of the Steelers linebackers that were just there to like hit people and just crush your soul. And we're moving into a new era, right? Devin Bush is, isn't quite that guy. You've got a guy like a Buddy Johnson who could be that guy. But now Vince is gone, right? And it, it, it makes me think the same thing with the loss of Marquise Pouncey, where we're bringing in a young center, where we've got some youth on the offensive line, and, and you're kind of looking at that veteran leadership, and it's gone, right? So I think, I, I think that's, that's the part that concerns me. 
uh, is that the Steelers have lost a lot of leadership this offseason. And Vince Williams in the locker room is going to be a presence that will be missed. Uh, but, Chris, uh, with Vince Williams retiring, where, where do you see uh, the competition for that for that number three linebacker? I, clearly, Robert Spillane's probably in line to move into the number two linebacker. But what where do you see behind him going? Do you think the Steelers need to bring in somebody? Or do you think they're going to compete with what they have in the on the team right now? I could see the Steelers bringing in someone, but not someone expensive, not like a big name or anything. Just, hey, we're going to bring in an extra body here. You know, they indicated in minicamp and even before minicamp that they were comfortable with Robert Spillane being the number two with Devin Bush. They liked the way that he helped against the run and covered underneath. Those are things that they're going to be excited to see him do more often now that he has had experience under his belt. Vince Williams was primarily, especially at this point of career, a run stuffing and pass rushing linebacker. But when you asked him to be in coverage last year, you know, it was, it was still, it wasn't even what it used to be where it was maybe three or four years ago. That is where I see, you know, them saying like, okay, do the, who they, who do they have that can step up in that role? You got Buddy Johnson, the guy they just drafted, you know, but when I asked uh, Keith Butler about, about Buddy Johnson, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to see if this guy can play special teams first. So, there's a little bit more hesitancy on Buddy Johnson than I think some of the fans will have. But watch out for Ulysses Gilbert. That guy, if he can stay healthy, will probably be the initial backup when it comes to passing downs. But I'm right with you. They need another guy that could be a run stuffer. Maybe they go out in free agency, grab one more guy. This is typically also why Kevin Colbert leaves a, leaves some money laying around going into training camp. Now they have more. They still have closer to ten million dollars left in, left on their salary cap. Um, you know, with the you know you know still have to cave to Castro. And getting the few deals they just got done. But still, I look at this and I think they may want to go get a guy just to have another body because Vince Williams really completed that linebacker room as that bigger physical guy that could be the energy in the middle. Now you're going to need that physical guy who's going to challenge people, plug plug up the run, be more physical at the point of attack um, because you want Devin Bush to be a free roamer. You want him to use his speed sideline to sideline. If he's getting caught up with fullbacks, tight ends, and guards that are getting to the second level – that's going to make it harder for the defense to you work with him in his best in his best position. Uh, I'll load up this super chat really fast here from Dave Shipley, who puts five dollars in the tip jar. He says the only constant in life is change. Love the show, guys. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Uh, if you have a question for Chris, uh, just throw it in the live chat, and I'll make sure to uh, get that in there. Um, Chris. What do you like? I saw this on Twitter from you earlier today, uh, resharing uh, some old memories of Vince Williams, of mm. course, intercepting Tom Brady and, <laughs> and cu- cuddling uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone. Well, well I, I don't think anyone's uh, quite had a career quite like Vince Williams, but what, what will you remember the most uh, from his time in Pittsburgh? I'll remember the night Chazier was paralyzed, and I was there in Cincinnati with DK Pittsburgh Sports. And I remember being in the press box and like, I just remember when, when, when Shazier was down and we didn't know what was happening. I just remember looking around and like, this is the first time I've ever like been watching a football game. And I don't care what happens because every other game I've been like, okay, what's good. Even if it's not the Steelers, if it's the Jets versus the Jaguars. Okay. What's happening right now. But that game, I was just like, I, it, I don't care what goes on. And to go into that locker room afterwards and to talk to that team after they gutted out an amazing comeback win with all the drama in it, Going to Vince and seeing him just like halfway just broken as a man, just being like, that's my brother out there that that happened to. And the the the, the feeling that he had behind him and to know the story. Vince Williams didn't like Ryan Chazier when he got here. And, uh, you know, I, I, he, I remember him talking about this. 
he used to say, like, you know, when he when they drafted him in the year after Vince Williams was showed that he was a star a starter caliber linebacker as a rookie, they drafted Ryan Shazier. He took it as a challenge, he took it as an insult, and he said they worked to train together. And he said he would intentionally try to show or show up earlier to a workout than Ryan Shazier or work harder than try to be harder, get in his face a little bit. And he said all he ever did was just show up and and, and take every opportunity in front of him. And he said he Ryan Shazier earned his respect throughout the Ryan Shazier's rookie season because he saw, okay, this guy isn't just some stuck-up first-round draft pick. He's a guy that's really ma- yeah, that really wants this. So to hear how that relationship progressed over time and the and how Vince Williams went from being that rookie to being a voice in the locker room that matters to being a guy that basically was the, the checker of running backs and fullbacks when it came to the backs on backers drill, those are the things I remember most. And I, I made that joke, that, that the post is a joke with the Patriots and – um, and the, 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 the Hopkins moments, which I also was there to see. Uh, but you know, it's still like, I, I think it's the presence that he became for the Steelers that became the soul of the team. How much of a loss do you think that is to the Steelers in training camp? Is that, is that a, cause it seems like one of those things it's, it's an intangible. How much does that matter on like game days and how much does that matter in training camp? It does. It, it matters a ton. Um, you need guys that are going to bring energy. You need guys that are going to going to set the tone. Now, here's the one thing I'll say is because he's been such a good tone setter. I believe Vince Williams has set him has has set the tone for Devin Bush and the other guys to understand it. I, I we spoke with Robert Spillane during the off season, and in speaking with him, he was like, "Listen," and this was before Vince Williams was even brought back the first time. He was still at the point where, uh, you know, where he was retired, and Robert Spillane was like, you know. I, we have to fill the void that that left. And so they they recognize what that is. But I think Vince being around for Robert Spillane, for Devin Bush, they saw the tone that was that that, that he set as a linebacker. And, and that carrying over from the Ryan Cheesy and the Lawrence Timmons days, those are things that I think will resonate carrying on. Uh, but certainly when you're missing that presence in the locker room, you're gonna, there's going to be times you're like, man, I miss that guy. But the Steelers have always been an organization. They find the other voice for that in the room to, to make up for when they, when they lose one of those guys. Do you have any uh, kind of predictions on how that roster spot will be filled? Will, will, does it necessarily have to be a linebacker? Could they go safety? Known commodity? I know you did mention this earlier. Could they circle back on Avery Williamson? Is Is there one sort of, avenue that kind of makes the most sense to you i i don't think there's one sort of sort of avenue that, that, that they're going to stick to because one don't forget with that money that they, that they still have left there's still space to make another room we've all been talking about or speculating on malik hooker or this or that and the third we don't know what kevin colbert's got planned because here's the other thing to remember is that other teams still aren't set on what their plan is remember Joe Hayden was brought to this team because the Browns let him go with, with training camp. And they're like, oh, wait, we'll go snag him. The Steelers are go- are waiting around to see who what who that can happen with. Now, Melvin Ingram, they were like, okay, we're going to pull the trigger on that guy because we know he can contribute. And Melvin Ingram could be part of this solution. As I wrote for my Carter's Classroom on Tuesday on or for, Pittsburgh, for DK Pittsburgh Sports, I reviewed a bunch of his film. Melvin Ingram isn't just an edge rusher. He lines up on the interior sometimes on passing downs. They've used him as an off-ball linebacker, and he's even had an interception in doing that. So – um, you know, and that's not something you'd ask him to do like every player, you know, in 20 snaps a game, but you could rotate him in there and help out in that position. He could be part of the answer. And all of that's going to get determined over the next couple of weeks of camp when, and leading into the Hall of Fame game. I think then that's when the, then we'll see the Steelers. OK, who's out there? Who needs to make a move? You know, you know, and, and what other team what are other teams desperate for? We saw Cam Akers. He's down. He's out for the season with Achilles injury. People were speculating, oh, the Steelers should send Benny Snell to the Rams. 
there might be a deal like that in, in a whole bunch of other positions. There might be a team that's like, hey, we'll give you such and such for James Washington because our receivers that went down. Those are all things that could play out. And that's one thing that I've learned in my time covering and following and studying the Steelers. Don't commit to something or, or commit to an idea. This is definitely the thing because there's way too many possibilities out there. Kevin Colbert, he keeps all doors open so that he can make the move that he wants to make to better the, the organization. All right, we got a we got a super chat here. I want to okay. bring up real quick, Chris. How do you feel about our defensive backs at this point, especially at cornerback? I, I think your Steelers they, they got a really good situation going on here. A lot of people are are, are sleeping on them because they lost Stephen Nelson, they lost Mike Hilton. Um, but uh, this is a, this is a team still. I, I'm higher on Joe Hayden than most people are. People are like, oh, he's gonna fall off that cliff. Joe Hayden's not a guy that ever relied on his speed. Even when he was at his youngest and at his best in the league, he was a guy that was all about positioning, technique, handwork, footwork being the smarter guy on the field and winning those battles. He's still that player. And when I see that happen, then I'll I'll, 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 ch- I'll check it off and say, okay, he's done. But I don't see that happening anytime soon for a Joe, Joe Hayden. I actually think he's going to be a guy that can be relied upon uh, moving, moving, moving forward. I also see Cameron Sutton. He's a guy that I've been really ecstatic about over the over the past um over the ever since he was a rookie uh in fact in his rookie season in that same Bengals game we were, we were talking about he took over for Joe Hayden for a half and had to cover AJ Green and looked just fine doing it over the years he's found ways to make himself valuable i think he's going to be solid now uh, one thing that i keep reminding people about the slot quarterback cuz they're like what about Mike Hilton he did so much and i agree uh, Mike Hilton was one of my favorite people to talk to in the locker room cuz he was very open he talked about a, a lot of technique he had great instincts he understands football he's a very high IQ uh, a very high IQ when it comes to football and, and life things but uh with, with with Mike don't forget he was an undrafted free agent uh, free free agent when they when they brought him in you know he was a guy that they that came in and you know in camp earned his his mainstay that's what they're expecting to come out of a Shakur Brown, a Trey Norwood, a James Pierre. Well, some of those guys are going to have to step up this year. I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them do. And don't forget Justin Lane's still out there fighting for his for his NFL uh, career. So there's going to be a couple guys to step up there. And I think what makes this a lot better is knowing that you have a Minka Fitzpatrick behind you. Terrell Edmonds, a very solid, strong safety, despite what, what many people might say. But Minka Fitzpatrick, when you have the best safety in football – calling the shots, playing the deep ball back there, you as a cornerback feel much more comfortable being aggressive, playing your role, and making plays. I think this secondary is a lot better than some people get it credit for. If I can follow up on that, uh, you brought sure. up James Pierre. Uh, and I, I need to state that, that uh, I know there's a James Pierre hype train running pretty seriously around <laughs> Pittsburgh right now. Uh, I actually, after the, after the playoff loss, I had to do a film room on that game. And I was like, I don't even know what to write about. And I ended up writing an article about James Pierre as one of the few bright spots that occurred in that game. Uh, and since then, one of the things I've been thinking about is he had so few snaps yeah, in this season. But when you go through and look at each snap, his film is really good. Like, he did a great job in the limited time he played. I'm used to short sample size being like, okay, this person put up good numbers, good stats in a short sample size. But what? how do you deal with analyzing a player who has put up really good film in a short sample size? Does that – because does that translate? Is that going to say, hey, this guy should be this good next year? Or are there – are there things that we have to be cautious about when looking at his film and saying, wow, this kid, this kid 
is smart. He's a good player. I mean, you should always be cautious when looking at a small sample size because if you did that, Peyton Hillis would be the greatest running back of all time. And if you remember him <laughs> from his Browns days, that was quickly short-lived. Um, but I will say this about James Pierre. The things that I saw about him were good technique, was solid following through on basic cornerback fundamentals. Um, and those are the things that, 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 that transition into your future. And if he can build on that, that's solid. I can tell you, I watched this man play in minicamp. Granted, no pads, it's football and shorts. But he was active. All the hype that you were hearing about it, I was like, I, Chris Carter was giving a thumbs up. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm behind that hype. Now, my colleague, Tony Serino, when we're on the Locked On Steelers podcast, he believes in the James Pierre hype train. He's a, the official starter of that. He started it months ago, and uh, he continues to believe that he's going to be the next Rod Woodson um, <laughs> with the running joke there. But um, I, I do I do think that he's going to be a better contributor than, than people give him credit for. Um, this year, what's going to be interesting is, A, when he comes to camp, how consistent is he? Does he maintain how he looked in minicamp? B, when he, when he does get in the game, does he stick to those fundamentals? Does he communicate well? Is he on the same page with everyone else? And then C, does he get lost in the sauce when he starts to get more saps? If you see that all those things start to check the boxes – he could end up being the guy the Steelers are like, you know what? When Joe Hayden's done, Cam Sutton might be the number one and he might be the number two. And we have no problem with that. And that could be the next, you know, big story of the Steelers. Like, hey, guys that forged their way forward, like a Vince Williams, that you didn't you didn't think that they were going to be a star on your team or a consistent starter for, you know, a better part of a decade. And that's what he could work his way into. But we have a long way before we go there. I like the fundamentals I see. I like the understanding of the game that I see. I want to see that at a more consistent basis when we get more of that sample size. But all things are checking all the boxes right now, Jeff. Uh, to transition a little bit to kind of look more into training camp itself, um, would you have any favorite storyline that's kicking around right now? Because th- obviously there's a ton of stuff going on with the Steelers, but I- I'm curious to know what your favorite storyline surrounding the- this specific uh, Steelers training camp is. What What's Mike Tomlin's favorite saying when he's pushing his guys up against each other? He likes to say, iron sharpens iron. Man, he's this this whole thing about Devin Bush versus Najee Harris. Sign me up. I want to see these guys run with each other. I want to see what these guys challenge each other. These are two premier athletes coming in here. And Devin Bush with, with two years of experience under his belt. He was also given the all clear earlier today from uh from uh from uh, according to several sources. So we are we are ready to see Devin Bush go full on in camp again. Najee Harris looking good, looking healthy. I want to see those two challenge each other because here's the thing. If Najee Harris is able to go out here and make plays in camp against this defense that's going to be loaded and with an offensive line that's going to be still forging itself, I think you can see this this offense actually doing the same thing to a lot worse defenses that will be out there this year. Um, And vice versa, if Devin Bush is challenging Najee Harris and we're seeing some great battles, this could be a thing where that relationship that they where they push each other and they grow from each other, they, you know, you always say you want your practice to be harder than your game because when it is, then the game's a lot easier and things come more naturally to you. If Devin Bush can be the guy that Najee Harris is like, man, he's the toughest guy I face all year. That means he's going to be doing a lot better against the linebackers he faces in the NFL when the, when they're actually playing on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays and sometimes Wednesdays. Now it's a weird schedule the NFL has, but <laughs> um, but in all seriousness. I, I think that's 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 a great storyline. Now you could talk about the offensive line. That's a, that's a huge storyline. You could talk about Ben Roethlisberger. You could talk about the backup quarterback situation, the cornerback the, the situation, which, which we just discussed. Um, but but to me, those are two stars. Where if Najee Harris is a star for this team, 
And this running game is ranking, even if it's just ranking in the upper 20s of the NFL, not not even like the top 10, not even the top 15. If it's close to like 23, 22, 21, and the offense is still doing the same thing through the passing game, the defense doesn't doesn't miss a bit. Mm, this this team is going to be right up in that mix again, competing for the AFC North crown, definitely in the playoffs and maybe even pushing teams in the playoffs this year. Okay, Chris, are there any positions uh, where the, the internal position battle is something that you, you think is really going to be a good story for training camp? Are there any position battles you're really watching? I mean, I'm looking at the cornerback position because the, the, the slot cornerback is wide open. Um, and I'm not sure if it's a situation where if no one truly emerges there, does that push Sutton to the to the slot? And then does, does James Pierre take over the outside or does someone else do that? Um, I think that's going to be a big thing. I think the number three inside linebacker spot could be something that's wide open. Um, I'm really intrigued by Arthur Mollette and Trey Norwood as backup safety options for this team because everyone's talking about Malik Hooker. But Trey Norwood's <laughs> a guy that I, I, I liked. I liked him in minicamp. I liked his tape in college. Uh, remember, he, he had the most interceptions in college football last year, tied for it at least. Um, so – uh, you know, he's a guy that, that can make those plays. Arthur Mullen, I liked his tape with the Jets. You know, it's, it was with the Jets, so it was tough to, you know, really splice apart too much. But there were a lot of things that he did that I was like, hey, that's sound. That's not I'm trying to be a flashy playmaker. That's a, hey, you understood your role and made the play happen here. I want to see how those guys shake out as far as backing up Minka and Terrell because those are going to be big things there. Um, other than that, who shapes out on the offensive line? Does does a core four work out at left tackle? Does Zach Banner get you know be able to be healthy enough at right tackle? Can Trey Turner, Kendrick Green, and um, and Kevin Dotson become a, a, an interior trio that bullies people the way that some of these Steelers past trios have really done? So there's tons of those storylines all across the board that I'm going to be watching all over the place. I think the one place that that, you, that I think is pretty solidified is the receiver room. We know Chase Claypool is going to be a big part of this. We know Deontay Johnson is going to get separation. We know Juju is going to be a, a, a tough over-the-middle guy. We know James Washington is probably going to get some jump balls this year. That's the one room I think everyone's pretty confined about. You can look across this roster. There's several places where there's going to be some good battles. One of the spots you didn't touch on that Jeffrey and I have gone back and forth with a lot, over, especially after the draft, is the Steelers' defensive line. Uh, they carried an extra guy than they typically do last year, and then mm -hmm. on top of that, they, they're bringing all those guys back, and then they drafted Isaiah Loudermilk. Would you, who would you suggest might be the odd man out on the chopping block? Because I, I think both of us, uh, Jeffrey and myself, uh, have said there's, there's no way that they can possibly carry eight. That, that seems like a little bit much. So is there one guy in the defensive line that, Right now, it looks like the odd man out. It's a good question. I, I, I certainly see that there could be some some interesting battles here. One thing with Isaiah Loudermilk, it's that I was when we were talking to Carl Dunbar, he kind of noted it was mainly his build because when you look at him, he's built like Cam Hayward, size, weight. You know that that's what that's uh, yeah right. I mean, and it, it, there's there's that similarity there. Now he doesn't have the nastiness that Cam Hayward had when he played at Ohio State, but. There's, there's still that size there, so that's what they want to work out. You know, you look at Alulu, he'll stick around. You look at Wormley, his experience will win him over. I'm looking at those bottom guys. Remember last year when Carlos Davis and Isaiah Bugs were going at it on the sidelines? I don't think that was because, you know, there was a miscommunication. I think that was because it's like, hey – uh, rookie, you're you're starting to step up when I need to be stepping it up, and there's some ser serious competition there. Um, Carlos Davis, in very limited s sample sizes, 
uh, did some things to impress me. I think it could be Isaiah Bugs if he does not show up this year in camp and show that he's ready to take on a more serious role. They might be like, "All right, Bugs, you know we we you know we we've given you every chance." Of course, you know they want to see him progress. We'll see how that goes, but um, I, I don't see him getting rid of Loudermilk. And uh, I, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting as Carlos Davis can dig up into Isaiah Bugs this year. That could be a, a difference maker. But certainly, they want to have their depth on the interior defensive line because they want to keep those legs fresh for Cam and Tuit when it comes to those big moments in the big games. We talked about the defensive line. You brought up Carl Dunbar, who, in my opinion, has done a fantastic job uh, coaching the defensive tackles. Uh, I want to I want to ask you because we're talking about this, the secondary. I want to ask you about Terrell Austin. Uh, and have you had any interactions with him? You've gotten to talk to him. Uh, what he's like, and is he the secondary coach? Is he the guy like like I've I've always kind of referred to it as like Keith Butler is our pass rush coordinator. He does the front seven, and it seems like the film the secondary has completely changed since Terrell Austin came on board. Uh, do you think there's there's been a shift where Terrell Austin is kind of running the Steelers secondary? I mean, he coaches it. I I wouldn't say I wouldn't serve running is the right word. What I think that Terrell Austin does is he helps this group become become better at attacking the football. That's where you're going to see his impact the most is like, hey, let's be in position well enough in these schemes to make sure that we're playing the football and not necessarily just scrambling to to, to, to stay alive here and to, to challenge things. I, I think that's where you're going to see Terrell Austin's impact the most. And I mean, hey, make of Fitzpatrick. He's already doing that. Cam Sutton, there were times that like he was just like an inch away from that, from a big pick six last year. I think you get more of a chance to see that, especially with those young guys like Sutton, like Pierre. That's where you're going to see Terrell Austin's fingerprints on here. Um, I, I'm not sure if, if it's a, if it's a, he's going to run the show with the secondary, but I do see him being comp, you know, have, have you see his fingerprints being on these guys, maybe getting more turnovers. Again, they've invested heavily into this defensive front. You, you got Melvin Ingram to rotate in with Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, and now you you still got Cam and to it. Um, the, that that those that's a front now where you got four of those guys or three of those guys are guys who were ranked in the top ten of their positions. Um you know, by ESPN when they went across the league and talked to everybody. Now you got Melvin Ingram and Alex Ismith on the rise. You still got Devin Bush and Robert Spillane backing those guys up. That's going to allow this secondary to get a little, a little bit more aggressive and, 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 and prey on quarterbacks who are trying to get rid of the ball quicker. That's where I think you start to see Terrell Austin is how well are they in position to make those plays? I think that could be very interesting. One of the things that was kind of circling the internet, especially today and really the last couple of weeks was a, uh, some kind of inside information that Ben Roethlisberger is once again in the best shape of his career. Uh, rolls into camp today wearing a shirt that says uh, "different," I believe, on it, uh, and uh, it looks like he has a little bit of a, a little bit of a pouch, a little belly going on there. And he was completely eviscerated by the internet on that today. Uh, are, are you buying into like this kind of talk that Ben Roethlisberger is completely uh, bought into this this scheme, this offense? His diet's crazy. Is, is he? really taking it to this next level or is he deserving all this kind of uh, critical thoughts that are really being tossed his way, especially today? I, I don't, I think people like to read too much into everything. It's the NFL. You, when, when the smallest things happen, I mean, look at, look at the past couple days, you know, there was a simple rumor popped out and people were popping out. Oh, Xavier Howard's going to the Steelers. And it's like, okay, <laughs> calm down. Everybody <laughs> relax. This is not that serious folks, but, um, that, but that's why the NFL is king. The, the mildest speculation 
could be the greatest news story in all of sports at any moment when it comes to the NFL. When it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, we know what it is. There's a lot of there's a lot of national media media members who criticize the Steelers and criticize Ben Roethlisberger, even when it's kind of like, uh, why are you criticizing criticizing them? They're undefeated at this point. That doesn't seem seem realistic. Um, you know, as far as the diet thing, I think Ben's been taking care of uh, taking care of his body pretty well. The, over the past few years because that's why he's still here if he wasn't I don't think he'd be able to play right now um he may have intensified a little bit more now that he's out of his rehab and he had a full year to kind of think about that um and, and I thought the picture of him cool but, you know, it wasn't one that made me say whoa that guy is svelte you know it was just more so one that was just like okay he's he's ready to go he's he's big Ben it's time to it's, it's time to see what, he, what he's got this year um, the biggest thing for me with Ben is, is, is he going to have a balanced attack? Can the running game get going? If it does, I want to see him throw closer to 30 to 35 times a game than closer to 38 to 45 times a game. He does that. That's going to balance out the offense. It's going to keep the defense off the field uh, a lot less. And you're going to you're going to see him be able to be more selective with when he wants to throw the ball down the field. Um, there's a lot of things that will go on with that. But to me, I think the Ben, the healthy stuff, I think it's just it's more just, hey, we don't have football to watch right now. So we need something to talk about. So here we go. OK, Chris, if Ben has a good season this year, right now he's around 11,000, something like that yards short of Peyton Manning hmm. in total yards. Hmm. Do you think if Ben has a good year, do you think he sticks around? Because that's two more years. If he's if he has three years left in him, he can retire ahead of Peyton Manning <laughs> instant in, in passing yards. I, is I, that I, even I, is that something feasible? Do you think that's something that could happen? I don't see two more years. I I, I could see one more year right now. Um now you know here's the thing if we're this, if we're at next year and he's still able to throw the way he did last year, and that's the thing, I, a lot of people were like, "Oh, his deep ball was bad." And like, well, he threw like eleven, he threw like the, the fifth most uh, deep ball touchdowns in all the NFL last year. Uh, but if he's still throwing like that next year, I'll be like, "Okay, yeah, maybe he could do another year after that." Uh, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where. Um, where I, you know, it's just going to depend on how much more he could get in the tank. Does he avoid injury? Does he, you know, is he able to stay away from the big hits and someone hitting his arm and messing things up? And does he play all the games each season? You know, does he suffer a minor injury or, you know, do they get to a point where last year they, they, they skip a game? Do they, you know, those type of things. You know, is it possible? Sure. And especially because now they also have an extra game each season uh, to, to, to do this now that could also tack on to it. But, I think it's way too far. It's funny. I actually asked my first ever question that I asked to an athlete was when I was in high school. Jerome Bettis visited Taylor Alderdice High, and um, I asked him uh, if he thought he would catch Eric Dickerson's rushing record. Um, and he was like, I don't know, man. That's a lot. And that was like in his – he had about three more years left before he retired. And sure enough, he caught it. And I was like, ah. And so that, that, that <laughs> happened. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but but you you never know. Those things can happen. Guys are staying in the league much longer these days. If he can avoid injury, maybe. But I wouldn't bank on that. I would especially say if if the Steelers if, if the Steelers do well this year and he's still healthy, he'll evaluate next year and say, hey, do I feel like putting my body through this one more again? Because I'm sure Ben would love to. Like, you know, you think about the average person. Me, like, man, like, as soon as I'm done with y'all, I got a beer waiting for me over back, back in my fridge. Like, I, I want to be a – Ben, Ben's got to got to take it easy on that kind of things. He can't do the things that we do as as average human beings. So there's that point when you're 39 years old, you're like, man, I am tired of eating kale, drinking tons of water every day, working out at these odd times. 
it is it is hard on me and I'd like to be able to relax and be with my family and beautiful kids and and, and enjoy the things that I've earned with the hundreds of million dollars that I've earned in my time in the NFL. That's where I see that, that his mind being. But again, if he's healthy, he'll figure and he likes and he likes the situation the Steelers and he's like, "Hey, why not? I can see that happening, but let's take it one step at a time. Get through this season healthy." Beautiful. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug in your way out? Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on, fellas. If you want to if you want to follow more of my stuff online, you can you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques, as you see below here. Um, you can also read my work at DKPittsburghSports.com. But you can get my daily Steelers podcast on the Locked On Steelers podcast, anywhere podcasts are hosted, but especially on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the app Odyssey. It's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. Also, if you want if you want to hear hear me more, I'm on the Friday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast, where we're talking all about the NFL with your boy Q from Locked On Raiders. So tons of different ways to reach me. Hit me up anytime. I'm very open to talking to fans and anyone else. Got any questions? I'm here for you. So thanks again for having me, guys. This is always great to join the guys at BTSC. Oh, it's our pleasure. You must have that uh, that exit outro uh, rehearsed down to a T. That, that, was, that was great stuff. <laughs> I just didn't ask for a five-star review with a positive comment. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, awesome stuff. Christopher Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thank you so much again. All right, Steeler fans, if you are watching on YouTube and Facebook, just hang tight. We will jump into a quick little break here. So if uh, you're on the podcast platform side, all you have to do is uh, click over to part number two. <laughs> 